0: Today on the 10-12 Podcast, we welcome Parker Fleming to the show to discuss which 3-0 teams in the Big 12 are legit and which ones are fake, which 2-1 and team we're least concerned about, the massive issues going on at Oklahoma State and Iowa State, our sicko game of the week, and a historic number in the Big 12 that could be broken this season.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every podcast in the network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. Plus, we are partners with Sport Social, the biggest sports podcast network in Europe. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us. To recap week three in the Big 12, what a week it was. And I don't mean that as a compliment. Whew, folks, um, we're going to have to do some reflection, self-analysis uh, about the Big 12 this year. May not be good. It may not be good. Um, we'll we'll deal with that and, and hope to ignore it and that it's, it's just whatever. I don't know. Um, what we are going to do today, first I'm going to introduce our guests oh it's been a it's been a long week long weekend. Uh, they join me every Monday to recap the weekend it was and look ahead to the week that will be first off the vibe queen of the ten twelve network herself j s j Jamie Steyer Johnson
2: oh man, let me tell you what a great weekend you know you get you get a huge rivalry win, three set sweep over Drake. I mean, I just can't think of a better athletic weekend for Iowa State volleyball you go christy johnson lynch uh
0: the host of the rock chalk podcast the kansas show that represents the 10 12 network animates
3: look i say we just you know completely forget that week three ever happened for anybody in the big 12 except for byu because they had a fantastic win against arkansas but everyone else you know no one really cares about week three it doesn't matter
0: uh, the BYU game was fun. I enjoyed it immensely. A game of runs is like watching a basketball game on grass. I guess you need the uh, – it's not about speed, but you know what I mean. Uh, and here to provide some analytical analysis as we uh, do a little something different to recap uh, week three and kind of the season so far, uh, yeah, I, I would name the show that he's on, but he's on so many. If you don't know him by now, I don't know get on twitter he is stats of war himself iowa state's greatest enemy parker fleming
1: look i was gonna say shout out to christy johnson lynch man i pulled up her bio and jamie said something there and there it says there's many ways to describe johnson lynch's tenure at iowa state first there is the winning that's a that's a that's a great flex i love that i hyping, right hyping a girl up over
0: there shout wow, out to christy johnson it. lynch
2: she's incredible
1: that's
0: a, that is a hell of a line that is fantastic i love that okay uh, what we're going to do today, and one of the reasons we want to get Parker on here is we're going to talk, to start things off, about the Big 12 teams that are currently 3-0, and who have survived the first three weeks of the season uh, unscathed. Now, for all the 3-0 and teams, that is and 3-0 and non-conference. There are two teams who have played a conference game. They are not 3-0. and We might touch on them later. We we'll kind of see how this show goes. Uh, the teams who are currently 3-0 and and undefeated, Texas, Oklahoma, UCF, BYU, and Kansas. So here's the name of the game, folks. Real or fake? 3-0. Is this a real team that we should be paying attention to that is a Big 12 contender and is a real shot to have an incredible season? Or is this a 3-0 that doesn't mean a whole lot by the end of the season, could still sit here at 6-6, 7-5, and yay, you're going bowling, but that's a nice year. Andy? Since you were late and the reason that we're starting this recording at uh, seven till nine o'clock and God's time.
3: I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Of course no. you don't know. Um, okay. Texas. What? You we're won't... Start, no, we're going to start with Texas. Oh, okay. Okay. Texas. Texas. Yes. And we're going to go through everybody's opinion. Texas. Three. Yes. There we Real, go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you can have concerns about the first half against Wyoming, but as we saw with everybody in the big 12, like everybody had weird results for the most part, except for Oklahoma, who, you know, needs to actually play somebody. But, like, everybody's had weird results so far in the Big 12, so I can write off a one half against a Wyoming team that has shown to be pretty feisty. Um, you know, they came out in the second half and showed why they were, you know, ranked in the top five, and I think Texas is probably still the team to beat in the conference right now. Jamie?
2: Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a second of Texas, if we're being honest. So sure I, I would have I, I watched I would have watched yesterday but Longhorn Network So it's their fault I'm sure they're good Kansas will beat them And that'll be that
1: uh, That's three. the uh, That's the hate ass energy we need In the uh, Big 12 going forward Is I don't care yeah whatever It's Texas that's fine uh, I have I have Texas as a double digit favorite on a neutral over everybody except except Oklahoma and Kansas State um and Oklahoma'd have them by about six points Kansas State have them by about nine points so very clear favorite uh, I think that this summer I talked a bunch about how. We needed to be unafraid of the meme and say, look, this is it. They're at the peak of their development cycle. They've got multiplicity on offense that no one has. And their defensive consistency is just about as high as anyone's there. So this is absolutely Texas's conference to lose, as boring and chalky as it is. I think the one thing you can point to uh, with Texas that that if we're talking about not just Big 12 contention but national contention is like Quinn Ewers, when he looks – off, He looks off like uh, not a great game against Rice. They were very vanilla. Wyoming was not locked in. And those wouldn't really worry me because he had a great game against Alabama. But uh, you, you go last season and the whole issue with Quinn Ewers is not that he was bad. It's that he was just off. The timing wasn't there. The routes weren't there. It looked weird. And when you see some of that looking weird again, you think, okay, if stuff hits the fan, they don't have an excellent game plan against the team that had, you know, only 40% returning production like Alabama did coming into the season. Uh, is is Ewers going to be able to rebound from kind of a weird um, a um weird start to a game or a little bit of miscommunication with the receivers. That's something I'm still a little interested in in terms of national contention. But in terms of the Big 12, I think that they can score on anyone, and I think they, they are the team to beat.
0: You mentioned division, uh, defensive efficiency. According to ESPN, they have the number one ranked defensive efficiency in the country so far through three games. So the defense is good. It's real good. And look, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. They're going to get tripped up because I think the performances against Wyoming and Rice show that there's still a little bit of Texas there where they don't treat every game like they treated Alabama or like they'll treat Oklahoma or they'll treat maybe one or two other games in the Big 12. Somebody will get them. But like the idea that this Texas team isn't going to be in Arlington and isn't going to be the favorite for the Big 12 title is insane. They're They're for real. Uh, Speaking of Oklahoma, the only team in the Big Twelve who is three and zero against the spread so far this season, and have covered double digit spreads every single week. Andy, you made a comment about the opponents so far, but you do have to give credit to a team who has gone out and made those inferior opponents look like absolutely inferior opponents by the final score.
3: Andy, Oklahoma for real or fake? Uh, this is the one where I really don't know at this point. Like. I want to say that they're real based off of how big they've won, but they really, like, they literally have not played anybody that's worth, that, like, really tells us anything. Yes, they did what you're supposed to do and absolutely blowing people out. But, you know, they ran into tons of problems last year with their defense when they went up against good offenses and their offense having, you know, dealing with a defense that could actually stop them every once in a while. The fact that they were only up 14 to 11 going, in, you know, in, in the fourth quarter against smu that has me extremely worried about like what happens if they're off like what what happens if things aren't going really well for them are they going to be able to actually do what they need to do to put games away against tough big 12 conference opponents i think they can but i don't know yet because i've seen way too many warning signs and i haven't seen them be able to do it against an opponent that i actually respect as an opponent
2: for them that would be my logic as well If not for the fact that I thought the same thing about LSU women's basketball last year, where they tried to put together the worst non-conference schedule I have ever seen in my entire life. Their goal was basically to hang 100 in every game. They didn't state it, but I genuinely think it was. And I was like, man ain't no way they're getting through the sec with that and then they won the national championship so sure oklahoma's for real that's fine
1: yeah i think we have this tendency and i and, and i i do this a bunch to say like all right they looked good against bad teams so like that doesn't mean they're good but in some ways i mean you 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 want to look good against bad teams right like that's that's absolutely the case. Uh, I, I wouldn't want anything else out of Oklahoma, maybe, maybe a few more points versus SMU. But even then, I think it's pretty clear they were doing some offensive stuff that, um, uh, with, let's just skip over this entirely. Maybe there wasn't exactly full alignment heading into the SMU game uh, in terms of what they wanted to do uh, with their lives and with their offense. So uh <laughs> looks like they got the ship right with Tulsa. I think that last year, um, uh, people forget Dylan Gabriel was the highest graded PFF quarterback in uh, the big 12 last year when he was healthy and most of their depth issues or, or excuse me, the depths of their kind of despair last season came because they were running Davis Bevel and the wildcat because they just couldn't do anything when Gabriel got hurt. It was a question going into the season last year. So the proof of concept here of Gabriel's healthy, they can, they can play, um, they look good jackson arnold coming in in garbage time looking really good as well gives them some solid depth there as well uh they still have a very very big talent advantage Um, And I think the real test for me, I mean, they've got nothing until Texas, right? Five games. Cincinnati, Iowa State should win both of those by double digits. Off and away should be a very, very easy kind of lead up there. Uh, But it it really all does come down to that. It is um, kind of interesting that in the last year of the league, these two teams, uh, again, play each other when we have an unbalanced schedule. Uh, That's the most likely rematch in in Arlington as well, because Oklahoma State's schedule is just – not very tough outside of that Texas game. So, uh, given their weak schedule the rest of the season, I mean, I think that they're just experimenting on offense, saying, "What can we all put out there? Let's let's save some of the tank and uh, and make sure that we can get these guys, um, you know, g- g- get some good reps, kind of find our identity, but not give Texas everything that we're going to do." So, uh, I I think they're for real. I think we're talking about a. Not not necessarily a classic Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma's good and everyone else is terrible season. But are we talking about are you at the top of the Big 12? Are you that upper middle class? Absolutely. I think Oklahoma is, is real.
0: Yeah, we, we said this in the offseason. Like the concern for Oklahoma is like this could be an Oklahoma team who is not as good as their record indicates, but because of the way their schedule stacks and because they do think they are better than they were last year. Like the nightmare scenarios in play here, people. We talked about this: the OU and Texas being in Arlington on their way out of the Big 12, head to the SEC. Ha We win. You guys suck. Like, is in real. It's the scenario is real, because at this point, at Cincinnati, Iowa State, Texas, UCF's at home. They go to Kansas and Oklahoma State. <laughs> uh, West Virginia's at home at BYU, TCU. Looking at the schedule the rest of the way, like Texas in a road game at BYU in November might be the two most difficult games left on their schedule. And I don't think it's that close from that. So we shall see. Okay. Speaking of UCF, UCF is three and oh so far. Andy, is UCF for real or fake?
3: I mean, again, if we're depending on how we define for real, you know, the way that you talked about it is you know in the mix for the big 12 championship when you're when and, you're 3-0 and
0: expectations of a team that starts the season 3-0 and is you're going to have a good year right your fan base is like yeah we're awesome right. we're going to win a bunch of games maybe we're going to make it to the conference championship we're going to contend like you view yourself as we got through this slate of games we haven't lost one we're really good you should be ranking us in the ap top 25 right so with that mindset is this a really is this a good team is 3-0 mean something or does it mean nothing at all
3: I I I don't know that we have enough from UCF yet. Like I I think that they are a good team. I think that they are a team that has the potential. What I worry about is the fact that they, you know, it, they had to have that close win against Boise. And yes, it was out in Boise, but Boise is not a you know, the the Boise team that we're used to seeing. Yeah, they're they're going to be a decent team in the Mountain West this year. Um but they're not like going to run away with the Mountain West or anything like that or, you know, have an opportunity um, I think to to upset a whole bunch of teams in the, in the bowl season, if they actually get there. And so, I, I mean, I should say when they actually get there, cause I, I mean, like, I think Boise is going to a bowl, but I don't like, I don't put them at like a 10 win team this year. Um, and so you get some credit for winning that one, but they looked awful for big stretches of that game against Boise. Um, you know, they completely beat the crap out of the two teams that they really should have beaten the crap out of like, Give them credit for that. Again, it's kind of like with the Oklahoma thing. But in the biggest test that they had, I saw enough to make me worry about is it all going to hold together? I think they have the potential to be able to run off some good wins here. But I but I worry when it gets difficult, are they going to have what they need to pull it or to, to keep it all together and to continue to make that push? I could see them having, you know, a a four and three record. Kind of going in the last five games and then having to figure out if they can get enough to to really be where they need to be jamie
2: yeah i mean i i kind of stand by what i said uh without really thinking about it very much before the start of the season where i thought ucf could maybe be a little bit ahead of schedule as far as being able to compete in the big 12 uh, I think that going out and really taking care of business against inferior opponents, like you were saying, Andy, and then being able to go and win on the road in Boise, like, that's a tough environment. Uh, that's that's very much a a difficult game for, for many reasons. Uh, obviously, you if you're wanting to go out and compete for a championship, you'd probably want to take care of business a little bit more there. But in the end, you get a win, and winning in close games is very difficult, I've been told. Um, so I think that they are going to be top half. I think that they will be competing in a bowl game. I don't know that I would be picking them to make the championship uh, for the conference at this point, Uh, but I certainly can see a scenario in which they could be in the conversation when we revisit this in a couple weeks still.
1: Parker. Uh, Fake if John Reese Plumlee is hurt. Uh, I think we saw him play hurt and that he was pretty bad I mean they 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 probably should have lost that boise game with the turnover margin and looking at yards per play and and like uh, like Andy mentioned Boise is just not boise right now. Um uh you know looking at it it's funny to see a guy like Mikey Keenan go to Fresno and absolutely go off because he can stand in the pocket and make reads and throw, but he can't run. He can't run the Gus Malls on offense. That's what you gotta do, that's what you gotta run. So Timmy McLean, only seven attempts against Villanova. It's Villanova. We're not gonna take too much of that. Two of those went. 10 plus yards. But um yeah, I I I don't know that McLean is a game-changing rusher in the same way that Plumley is. And he's certainly a worse passer, uh, which very low bar uh to 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 clear. And I, I still think that he's clearing it. Um, and, and I think that what that ends up being is that when we get in the conference play, what I'm watching for against Kansas State here is uh dimensionality. The run game is legitimately good for UCF. Uh, RJ Harvey. Is good, they've got some continuity in the offensive line there. The gravity of having a rushing quarterback really, really helps. But if I can shut down any semblance of a pass, if I can lock up the two dudes, um um Hudson and Baker, uh, and even Townsend's been a little spicy there as a third option, 10 targets, but uh, Hudson and Baker. If I look, my ones can go against the ones in the pass game, and I'm just asking a, a worse guy to beat me. If I can take away the run and say, Tim McLean, you make a precision pass, and that's how I'm going to lose the game. I think UCF ceiling is is very, very firmly that five, six, seven best case scenario right now. So depending on how long they go without John Reese Plunley, I'm inclined to believe they're going to be more towards that middle of the pack seven, eight, nine. But if he comes back, if they can be a little bit feisty they have a stronger sense of identity than a lot of other teams then we're flirting with that you know five six seven kind of finish for them so not not real pending the status of john reese Plumley, uh and 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 the longer that he's out the less real they are and that makes a lot of sense
2: uh
0: Andy, the team nearest and dearest to your heart, Kansas Jayhawks, 3-0. I would definitely call that a disappointing win, though for Kansas, you shouldn't be taking any win lightly when it comes to football, uh, even a win on the road at Nevada that was closer
3: than it probably should have been. Andy, is Kansas for real or fake? I would trend to calling them for real, and I, I think that's very fair to question after that game against Nevada. What I would mention, though, is the fact that you look at, you know, they were without Austin Booker, one of the one of the better past starting specialists that they had, um, you know, in the game against Illinois, and they were without Kobe Bryant for, for the first half. Um, you know, they had some weird, I would say some really weird fumbled luck in that they forked five fumbles against Nevada and did not recover a single one of them. That's not something that happens very often. If you're forcing that many fumbles, typically you're getting some of those, at least, you know, two of them. And that completely, I think, changes the complexion of that game. Um, you know, from reports that I was seeing, it didn't make it out to the bed, to the betting public at all, but Devin Neal was playing that game hurt and still had a really good game. Like there was a lot of stuff going on for camps behind the scenes, going out to the Pacific time zone for the first time since 2002. Like it's, it's been a really long, a difficult week for the Jayhawks because of everything that happened after coming off of the emotion of the huge win against Illinois for them, a game that they fairly dominated until we had some reffing shenanigans that got some players ejected and then Illinois started making a comeback. So I think there's enough there that you can explain away kind of the weird results that make you question them. But I think that's also like there's still enough there to make you wonder. The one thing that I don't worry about is this offense. They're averaging over 500 yards a game. They're just absolutely all over the place and, you know, doing a fantastic job offensively. Jalen Daniels has looked really good. In the last two weeks, he didn't have any touchdown passes against Nevada, but that was because three times they were tackled at the one yard line in you know plays that they should have gotten into the end zone. Um, and instead, Devin Neal or Daniel Hyshaw or somebody else mopped it up to get a one yard touchdown run. So I think the offense is clicking the way it's supposed to. The defense is playing, I think, a lot better than than a lot of people expected coming into the year. The question, of course, is can they keep it up? Um, there's really, I think, an open question about how good Illinois was. So, how much should you actually take from that? But from what I saw, Illinois play, you know, against uh, against Penn State, they they held up for you know about three quarters against Penn State as well, and then everything kind of went to crap for them. So, I think there's enough there to say that I, you know, that Kansas is for real. And the schedule, with the exception of the Texas game next week, the schedule worked out fairly well for them in that they play BYU at home, they play UCF at home, they play Oklahoma at home. You know, they go on the road to Oklahoma State. They go on the road to Iowa State. You know, they have Texas Tech at home. Like all of the big contenders, they have them at home this year. All the games they have on the road, for the most part, are against teams that you would expect them to be able to beat based off of the early results. So I think Kansas has a a good pathway set up. The real question is just, you know, are those issues that we saw, is it related to weirdness going on with players being unavailable because of targeting penalties? Or, you know, is there actually a big concern there? Jamie?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what you were alluding to, Andy, that I don't know that it's uh, enough to... Again, I I haven't watched their full games either. I'm not breaking down the film. Uh, But I think that Nevada's bad. And Illinois is also going to be, at the best, not good. So it's very hard to see those games both be close and feel confident in saying they're for real. I think you can say they're not fake. You can fall somewhere in the middle. But to go into those games and to have it end up being very close, there's certainly some things you want to shore up. And if it is, in fact, just having everyone available and having people healthy and not having, you know, kind of stupid penalties, rule people out, then sure, that is what it is. Uh, But whatever it is, I definitely would not feel uh, confident in making a ruling at this time.
1: Parker? I think they're fake, um, and I think that the biggest issue is not – the offense is legitimately fun. It, it really is, and like uh, seeing Quentin Skinner kind of distinguish himself as their main target and then Lawrence Arnold be there as a second option has been really, really fun. Um, I think that what we have in common with Kansas's opponents to start the season is um, unfamiliarity. And I think that is a very, very big advantage that Kansas has over an opponent is we can throw a lot at you. I, I mean, they ran 19 or 20 different formations like against Illinois. Just absolute nonsense. It was beautiful. And it was had to be so infuriating for <laughs> Lama and, and, and their defense over there. But I will say also... Um, Illinois lost their defensive coordinator, lost a couple NFL guys, had, had some really big holes there and is starting an absolute robotic quarterback in Luke Altmeier who literally can do if then and then otherwise he breaks down. Like if the if then doesn't work, he, he breaks down. So um, good win. I'm not going to penalize Kansas for winning that game, but the Nevada game was certainly underwhelming. What I'm concerned about is that I think the defensive depth is really thin, even if it's better than it has been in the past. I think the defensive ceiling is very, very low. And what I'm worried about is two things with Kansas. One, film. I've seen Jalen Daniels. I'm not going to get beat by him again. That's a latitude of a lot of people. And they play some new opponents. They do. They play UCF. They play BYU. So they have some advantage there. But uh, hey, he's a known commodity now. I'm not going to get beat by him. Two, in the past, the, it's been true that Big 12 teams have kind of treated the Kansas game like a de facto buy. Haven't necessarily done their homework. Have said, we're going to be able to skate by. And I think that that's not the case anymore. So, kind of the familiarity aspect plus the taking it a little more seriously aspect, coupled with low ceiling on defense. Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical about Kansas's ceiling. They did, I mean, they had some injury issues last year. And, and I'm going to be the first one to say Jason Bean is a fine quarterback. Like the drop off from Jalen Daniels to Jason Bean is big, but Jason Bean is a better than replacement player at quarterback there for, for sure for them. So, um, but down the stretch last year, defense did, did have some issues. They did, they did lose a lot of games there. And, uh, I'm just worried about their ability to replicate that performance, given the factor of it's on tape. Um, and we're going to, we're going to prep a little bit more for you and the defensive ceiling's a little bit low. So I'm, I'm out on Kansas for now. Hopefully they change their mind cuz their offense is very fun, but uh I'm out I'm out for now.
3: That's all right, Parker. I'm 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 used to people, you know, not believing me. Andy, I Kansas think stuff. I think the last
1: time we talked about Kansas on uh, on a podcast, I told you that Kansas going to a bowl last year was so far outside of my like 95% projection that it was that it was laughable. So, yep, I've exactly. been wrong before. I'll be wrong again.
3: I'm just I'm glad. I would have been more I think I would have been more worried about Kansas if you had said <laughs> that they were for real. Um, so I mean I'm you know I fully expect it's them. like
2: we're still living in the same universe. We haven't diverted to an alternate timeline. Right.
3: The,
0: the darkest timeline. Kansas is national champion in football. Um all right. Last one. You said it, not me. <laughs> uh <laughs> it's <laughs> BYU Cougars. Who just nabbed arguably the second best win the Big 12 has in non conference so far with a road win at Arkansas? Yes, I'm not like super high on Arkansas. And there was a, it's a weird game, but they still got the win on the road in Fayetteville. Don't schedule home and homes with, with BYU. Solani, uh, Kalani Sotaki will get you the second time around. Andy, is BYU for real or fake?
3: I struggle with this one because. I'm tending still towards saying that I need to see more from BYU. Um, I understand, you know, that uh that uh Keaton Slovis has played really well in the last couple of games. There was some huge concerns against Sam Houston. The fact that it took them so long to kind of get things together against a very bad Sam Houston team. They only won that game 14 nothing. Um, the defense, I I wonder about that defense. We have seen plenty of teams that have good offenses but not great offenses, which is how I would classify BYU's offense with a defense that just can't do enough. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Kansas fan. I've seen tons of those. So I'm worried about their ability long-term to keep it up. Um, you know, I, I I was a little surprised at first uh, when I took a look at the fact that, you know, Kansas is favored or opened up favored by seven points against BYU. And I, I was like, what's, what's going on there? And it's because BYU has struggled yes they have three wins the offense hasn't really looked good in most of them they haven't looked good consistently they've been a very up and down team they got down 14 nothing against Arkansas came storming back all of a sudden uh you know to lead 21 to 14 then immediately went down 31 to 21 like that was a very back and forth game with a lot of strange momentum going back and forth and which is it good for them to to be able to get that road win I just don't know how many times they're going to be able to do that with a a quarterback and an offense that's as inconsistent as they've been this year. Jamie.
2: Yeah. I mean, same kind of deal. Like I think that they're solid. I am not ready to say that they're totally fake and about to tank. uh, But I'm also not declaring them going to the championship game. I think that they are much more likely to finish somewhere in the, in the middle. And I don't have anything else. Uh, Good to add other than that,
1: Parker. I, I don't think we're talking enough about BYU losing, uh, and having to replace one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history, Puka Nakua, who, uh, has just out of nowhere, in a Brock Purdy like turn of fashion, um, has just become. Uh, one of the greatest stars in the NFL overnight. It's not, overnight, not, no, out of nowhere, it's not so. nowhere.
0: It's not nowhere. <laughs> Speaking of someone who got him as much, he bought as much puka nakua
1: stock in all of his fantasy football leagues. Uh, it's not out of nowhere, dude. Shout out, shout out to puka nakua. But uh, yeah, so I I had frankly, I had BYU as the lowest rated uh team coming into in, in the Big 12 coming into the season. I think the turnover on offense uh, was a lot. Not a believer in Slovis, did not really love what I saw out of Slovis at Pitt. Uh, I mean, anywhere. I don't know, I don't know, anywhere at all. Um, and I think that uh the defense, particularly the back seven, is rough. Um, linebackers are, are maybe a little better than 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 uh I gave them credit for, but I think secondary is 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 potentially really rough. So I've adjusted them upward for the Arkansas win, but mostly they've just been passed by. Cincinnati, Iowa State, Houston, who are just worse and just just objectively worse and have moved down. So I'm going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to say that I'm still out on BYU. I'm slow to adjust. Arkansas, really flighty, really weird, in kind of a weird development cycle, even though they have a senior quarterback there. Um, and that game was extremely odd. I have BYU and Kansas power-rated the same. i have the same um and i think that so like the line this week is seven points i have it closer to two and a half um uh, which would
3: be just just home field advantage here it's also up to um, nine and a half after like good six hours Lord, i know it's ridiculous. i wonder
1: if i have i've been doing other stuff i'm going to do my homework this evening and, and tomorrow i wonder if there's not an injury i'm missing um but all, all that to say Uh I I like BYU here. I think the home field advantage certainly gives them an edge with the with the schedule. Um, but I don't know, like this is clearly a turnover year. Um, and I think they have one good offensive lineman. I think we're in a situation where their depth is not going to hold up very well. I mean, they looked awful against Sam Houston. Um, and uh, and Sam Houston is just not a not a power five team at all um and so i i think out of byu what i need to see is good good play from keaton's lowest like second highest qbr this week that's great consistency that's what i need out of him but i don't know uh you know sometimes and not sometimes all the time when you're doing like making a model uh empirically you talk about this like bias variance trade-off so like you can be precise, but then you're going to get a lot more variance. If you minimize the variance, you might you might be off. Keaton Slovis kind of has this like efficiency and explosiveness trade off. I think in the BYU offense, it's so, like if he's going to be efficient, I don't know they're going to be very explosive. If he's going to be explosive at all, he's going to be super erratic. So uh, I, I don't know what the vision for the BYU offense is. Kind of managing that, uh, and then again the back seven I'm not super high on, so uh, I'm I'm out on BYU as well. I'm, I'm calling them the three and zero fake pretty pretty easy competition and a pretty weird spot for arkansas there
3: yeah i think the thing that jumps out to me with byu is i have them a lot like cincinnati where things could have gone really good if all of the changes worked for them and they could fall apart at any time as well just because there's no consistency i think at all in the way that cincinnati and the way that byu have been successful this season we saw cincinnati lose to miami of ohio like that was a game that the way that they lost that one, I, I, you know, it's the same sort of things that I'm concerned about with BYU. So if, if I'm picking one of the three and O teams to completely fall off from this point forward, I think BYU's the most likely one, just given what they had coming into the year.
1: I think that's a fair way to frame it. Also I'm contractually obligated to say that I think Cincinnati stinks and made a terrible hire and is going to be in such a bad place as a program for the next couple of years.
0: We'll get to them in a second. One thing that is for real Charlie Hustle, this broadcast, and the 1012 Network is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season and the most comfortable, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show you off your school spirit all season long. They have every Big 12 team except for Cincinnati, the aforementioned school. They're working on it. Look, this stuff takes time. Okay, it's typically not the apparel company's fault. It's the school wants to be stubborn. You know, whatever. But the collections that they have for the rest of Big 12 are incredible. Especially if you're a Kansas and Kansas State fan. Folks, it's based out of Kansas City. Like, Which schools were some of the first ones you think that they got? Yeah. And they have great stuff. They have an Oklahoma State wrestling shirt. Other cool vintage apparel companies don't have Oklahoma State wrestling shirts. Charlie Hustle does. Charlie Hustle wants to be in the Big 12. That sold them to us. Plus, the stuff is incredible. So, go to charliehustle.com. Use the promo code TEN TWELVE FIFTEEN T E N ONE TWO ONE FIVE for fifteen percent off all non-sale items. I did not say first purchase. I said all non-sale items. So, if you want to buy something for yourself now, and maybe you want to do some Christmas shopping later. Promo code 10-12-15, T-E-N-1-2-1-5, 15 ten TWELVE FIFTEEN T E N ONE TWO ONE FIVE 15 percent off all non-sale items. With over 30 schools to choose from, including 13 of the 14 current Big 12 schools, they've got you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs. Shop today at charliehustle.com. Use that promo code TEN TWELVE FIFTEEN for 15% off. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh.
3: I have to say, the way you said Charlie Hustle does made me think of the family guy Pepperidge Farmer members.
0: Pepper's Farm, of course. <laughs> yes, they do.
3: Uh, Parker, before we get to- Don't down, make me do math. Who are they, who are they missing? Cincinnati. Cincinnati.
0: The only one that- uh, Oh, you said that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I mentioned it. Yeah.
1: That's
3: all right. Uh,
0: there also happen to be five current teams in the Big 12 who are two and one through three weeks of the season. I want to ask each of you, who is the one that you are- let's say, least concerned about moving forward. Where the loss is a loss, it doesn't necessarily mean that the season is over. They've still got a ton to play for, and that may be one of the only losses they suffer this season, perhaps. Uh, Those schools are TCU, Kansas State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. TCU's loss, of course, to Colorado in Week 1, Kansas State this past weekend to Missouri, Cincinnati this past weekend to Miami of Ohio, In the battle for the bell, Oklahoma State at home to South Alabama this week, uh, and West Virginia in week one at Penn State. Philip, I I noticed that
3: you couldn't say that one with a straight face.
0: (laughs) No, okay. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. I'll I'll jump in here Uh, because there's two different
3: ways to look at this, right? There is, which one is their loss most concern or least concerning? And for me, that would be West Virginia because we fully expected them to lose to Penn State. And honestly, I thought they played against Penn State a whole lot better than I expected them to. However, I don't think that their ceiling coming into the year was nearly as high as with Kansas State. I'm concerned about the way that Kansas State lost to Missouri, but the fact that they lost to Missouri isn't necessarily you know, as worrying as most of the other ones. So I would say in terms of team that I'm the highest on moving forward, that's definitely Kansas State. Team that I am least concerned by the way that they lost or the team that they lost to would be West Virginia. Okay, fair take,
0: fair take. Jamie?
2: I got, I got lost for a second. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. Look, oh, you, you, you lost said my tab. I, <laughs> I was trying to think. Go ahead. I've been really good so far. You've
0: been, you've uh, been killing it, Jenny. Just killing it.
2: So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cede my time <laughs> for the moment while I try and figure out, um. Do you, do you, What's going on? Do you want us to
0: come back? You just want to move it, move along.
2: You know what? I think that if we move along, I'm. I think gonna, she said everything she needs. I'm going to gonna say. be in a really good spot. <laughs> okay, going to be in a really good spot. All right. Yep.
0: Uh, we call her the vibe queen for a reason, Parker.
2: Okay. Yeah, I,
0: I
1: don't know. Um,
2: See, this is a tough one.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm thinking about this. Like, I think I I was pretty sure that South Alabama was good and that Oklahoma state was bad. So that really didn't change my perception of them. And you made a good point about West Virginia. Um, I think the difference like TCU and West Virginia are both really interesting to me because they like, those are both defensible losses re- relatively. I mean, I think TCU probably should have won that game if they could have done something in the red zone, but um, you've got to talk about expectations there. because like, obviously coming to the season, West Virginia and TCU had different expectations, but um, you know, they, uh, I don't know that either of their tracks are completely thrown off by their single loss. There, Kansas State, I think, with the offensive line continuity and bringing back Howard and bringing in um,
3: Avery Johnson, Florida hey, State running
1: back Deshaun Ward, yeah, Ward, yep, yeah, uh, and 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 really thought that they thought they were going to run it back, um, and that Missouri loss doesn't affect that it doesn't change that at all it does make their margins a little bit narrower for maybe national contention but what we saw from the offense felt a lot like pre colin klein offense than it did a colin klein offense and i wonder if they're not more limited in the playbook um by howard not having superstars around him um, and by, uh, maybe, maybe losing, maybe losing Felix on defense mattered a little bit. They really couldn't, they really couldn't get to a hobbled, uh, Brady cook very often. So, um, I think I I'm least concerned about West Virginia and TCU cause those losses really don't change very much about what I think about them. Um, and, uh, and I think Kansas state's loss was much more revealing about some underlying fundamental cracks, maybe in, the yeah,
2: in,
3: in defense of Kansas state, which I can't believe I just said that. um, <laughs>
1: No, you you should you
3: should <laughs> say that because
0: the Kansas State fans I know are already. But talking.
3: no, I mean, well, Will Howard looked hobbled for the vast majority of that game. He he did get he did get hurt. Um, I think what's more concerning is the fact that yeah they tried to soldier on with Will Howard, but like Avery Johnson was supposed to be a good weapon for them, a good change of pace, like a good opportunity for them to do quite a bit. And when he came in, you knew exactly what was happening. Like that was as telegraphed as it could possibly have been when he came on the field. Um, if they had used him in a more of a, a change of pace type of role and had given Howard a true break um, or even had just, you know, gone to him for a little bit because Howard was obviously hobbled, um, then I would have felt a whole lot better about it. But it makes me wonder, what do they have if Howard is not going to be able to be effective because he's injured or because he doesn't have, you know, the the kind of stars that he needs to be able to get the ball to? What does Kansas State have? The offensive line has usually been the strength, but they've struggled against a Missouri defensive line that honestly i didn't think a lot of people were extremely high on coming into the year i think that they're probably better than a lot of people thought they were going to be coming into the year but they're still not like one of the best defensive lines and so there's there's room for concern for sure i just think that they still have enough of a base that i expect them to finish higher in the conference than either tcu or west virginia assuming the wheels don't completely fall off
0: i i am yeah i tend to i tend to agree with that no i think that's fair I think all the points that you and Parker have made are very fair. Um, I, I'm really not holding TCU's loss to Colorado against them because you had no idea what that team was going to look like because it was just it was made out of nothing. Like you could watch some Jackson
1: State video, but like I don't know how much. No, no, fake news. They knew exactly what offense Colorado was going to run. They hired an offensive coordinator who's supposedly a mastermind in the Veer and Shoot, and Sean Lewis went and pantsed him. Um, They had all season, off season to practice against supposedly one of the originators of the beer and shoot, and had no idea what to do with it. Got their asses absolutely kicked. Okay, I think, yeah, no, no, no. I I think that that's. I'm I'm less sympathetic to that. I'm more so saying that loss didn't change what I thought of TCU's uh, expectations for this year. That's fair. That's fair.
0: Um, and Oklahoma State and Cincinnati are, yeah. This is also by the way, West Virginia fans getting mad cuz I put up the power rankings and I put Oklahoma State one spot ahead of West Virginia. You're mad because I put two non-bowl teams in different order than you would like to have them. I understand West Virginia beat Pitt. We'll talk about that in a second, but like how good is Pitt?
3: As I as I said to uh, you what? know, um not
0: good. Yeah, as I
3: said to to uh, Brandon over on the Raspberry Boys kids, does Pitt even actually count as an FBS football team at this point?
0: Not their offense. Um <laughs> uh all right, let's run through some scores real quick and I'll get some thoughts if you guys have them. Houston thirteen TCU thirty-six and Saturday's loss at TCU. Houston was hell without an offensive touchdown for the first time since two thousand and fourteen. Houston's the worst team in the Big Twelve. I don't feel like it's close. It doesn't make sense with the talent that they supposedly have on this roster. Um Dana's time in Houston. I, I think we were officially like we we lit up. The hot seat watch.
2: Hey, I, mean, I figured it out. Okay. So, um, so what I did, um, what I did was I, um, I went through and I figured the average temperature for every city in the Big 12 during football season. <laughs> um, so, so that's, that's our hot seat tracker. Uh, and incidentally, the second hottest location in the Big Twelve during football season is, in fact, Houston. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do.
0: I, I cannot wait for this graphic <laughs> review. I cannot. I cannot I, wait. I haven't oh, anticipated anything oh, this much since my kid was born.
2: Oh like, well, then I've got really bad news. Um, I haven't. I haven't made a graphic for it, but this is just my theory. Um, So we'll get there. But there's there's a method to it now. We
3: at least have a theme for the graphic. Oh. I I might I might quibble a little bit about Houston being the worst, but But honestly, like it's defensible.
1: Well, it's a combination of motivation. Like objectively, like if Houston gave a I don't know, can I curse? Sorry. If Houston gave a darn, um, they could probably beat that Cincinnati, Iowa State, even Oklahoma State tier. It we are talking about the Q word already. Uh, Dana is on the sideline yelling "GDMF'er" after every play, uh, yelling at kids and stuff, dude. They just there's there's some bad mojo down there, dude. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned earlier Cincinnati twenty four,
0: Miami of Ohio thirty one. Uh, here's the stat, including overtime. Cincinnati had drives end. At the Miami of Ohio, 3-yard line, 10-yard line, 5-yard line, 6-yard line, 18-yard line, and 2-yard line, they scored 9 points on 6 of those possessions and lost that game. I gave Cincinnati a ton of credit for Week 1 and Week 2, blowing out an FCS team like you should and beating Pitt on the road. Turns out, and this is why like Pitt might just not be very good, Pat Narduzzi is literally allergic to offense. It's why when the one year he had one, he immediately ran off the offensive coordinator. Like, Pitt may not be good. I don't know how much we should take away from that win. And at this point, my uh, I should have just stuck with my prerequisite my, uh, my preseason expectations of Cincinnati. Is it's a terrible hire. It's not going to work. And we'll see how this team does. We'll see how this team does moving forward. I mean, they're going to probably pull off a win or two. They shouldn't just because it seems like the offense might be spicy enough. But whoof, losing that game, not the thing you want to do in your first season. Scott Satterfield. Uh, West Virginia 17, Pit 6. Remember how I said Pat Narduzzi might be allergic to offense? I think he might be allergic to offense. The, the man does not want offense. He, he he would win. Like I think Pat Narduzzi might hate offense more than Matt Campbell does.
1: Sorry, Jamie. I don't even think Matt Campbell hates offense. I just think he doesn't understand it. Uh, um,
0: congrats, West Virginia, on this win. I'm not going to take – look – I I'm making jokes. I'm not taking anything away from you. It's a rivalry game. you got this game at home for the first time in more than a decade. Like, celebrate, drink, revel, enjoy the next week. Y'all absolutely deserve it. Holding Pitt to six points is incredible, especially after C.J. Johnson gets hurt. Quarterback Garrett Green missed most of the game when he got injured. Uh, West Virginia, of course, won the turnover battle here 3-2-1. Y'all, just enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's my
3: biggest concern is the fact that Garrett Green got injured in that game. Like... Looking at and knowing what we know about Pitt now, like I'm glad that West Virginia won that one because it would have been not great if they hadn't won that one. But, um, you know, I I think that that's the most concerning thing as a a West Virginia fan is, and why you should enjoy this Pitt win as much as you do in, in a rivalry game is because, yeah, you beat Pitt and you beat them fairly convincingly, but Garrett Green going down really kind of changes the complexion of this offense.
0: It will be interesting to see what they look like. Like I said, we'll talk about this coming week here in a minute um let's hit a couple of the fcs games texas tech 41 tarleton three
3: yeah so philip you had told me that you wanted to look you wanted me to to look at this one really quick um yeah yeah, 41 three texas tech did pretty much whatever they wanted tarleton state did not score until the last five minutes of the game um on a field goal after the game was well and over i think the biggest thing to come out of this game though is the fact that there are still concerns and there's still questions about who the starting quarterback should be. Texas Tech has had plenty of issues with trying to have a starting quarterback make it through an entire season. Um, Tyler Shuck, you know, started the game. He had, it uh, looks like actually he, I mean, he had a, a rushing touchdown. He had a passing touchdown, um, but Baron Morton came into the game and ended the game. And there's a lot of Texas Tech fans that I saw and just kind of watching the actual game itself. It seemed like Baron Morton had a better, grasp on the offense was running the offense better and so there is legitimately it seems like at least among the fan base a quarterback controversy for this team again um makes you kind of wonder you know what is going to happen there with this team um it's not the way at all that texas tech was expecting to start this season and you know the fact that they can find something to argue about coming out of a 41 to 3 win makes you kind of wonder like what's what's going on it's morton time that's all i'm gonna
0: I gotta, I gotta actually take the graphic with Tommy, the Green Ranger, and put Baron Morton's face on it. But uh, it takes time, and I'm not a Photoshop. What didn't. you
2: should do is get one of the ones that they photoshopped uh, for that people start doing for Morbius. Yeah, it's
3: Morbin so time, it's and make it Morban time, it's and time. then
2: put another <laughs> one over it. That's a
0: good one. That's got so many. Somebody get the. It's
1: got layers. Somebody get the intern yeah. on that. Yeah. We need a couple Baron Morton gifts. There's yeah.
0: Parker, you have an intern. Why don't you uh, have him take care of that?
1: Um, I'm legally not allowed to joke about my intern on podcasts. Sorry. Fair enough.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, that's fine. Uh, we already talked about UCF. We talked about
3: Kansas. That's
2: what I do when I when I work.
3: What joke about your intern?
2: <laughs> no, I just do whatever I want because I'm a glorified babysitter.
0: Uh, Baylor 30, Long Island 7. This game was weird, ugly, and gross until a lightning delay, and then Baylor came out and kind of put the game away. I don't know how you walk away from a thirty-seven to 30-7 to win over an FCS team that is now 0-3 and not great. Feeling confident. I'm not sure how you confident you can feel as a Baylor fan through the first three weeks of the season.
3: It went from ugly and gross for both teams to ugly and gross for one team after the lightning play. That that was it.
0: That feels about right. It feels all right. Parker, do you wanna do you wanna offer any thoughts on
1: Baylor? Dude, Baylor stinks. <laughs> They're just like in such a bad situation. Like 2020 was perfect because they had all those old guys, and so their development lined up where their offensive line and their Uh, skill positions matched up on offense and then their, um, defense had like studs everywhere and they just don't grow on trees anymore and they haven't been able to develop them. And their offensive line is off cycle with their development of their skill positions. I honestly think if you ask Dave Aranda, he would admit to making a mistake, letting Bohannon go. Um, I think that they've been that messed up. Like it's just, it's rough, man. It's rough. And I like Aranda. Like, I hate to see that. I don't know if it's working out, though. Yeah.
0: No, I agree. I, I don't want to see him go. Um. I do... I'm going to say it. Look, Parker's the one who started the line, and I think it's accurate. I think you have to talk about COVID in relation to Iowa State's best season under Matt Campbell. I think you need to start talking about the COVID factor in relation to Oklahoma State and Baylor's 2021 season. Uh, super seniors only existed because... Of COVID and they played a huge part in both those teams finding their way to Arlington, which leads us to Oklahoma state. <clears throat> I don't want to spend 20 minutes of this show talking about Oklahoma state because Saturday's performance doesn't justify 20 something minutes talking about Oklahoma state or my current thoughts on Mike Gundy. I'm going to, I've got a lot of notes. So I'm just going to go with this. Mike, Uch, uh, Mike Leach used to say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I'm now currently implying that to Gundy's retention of his offensive coaching staff,
3: uh, which is- I think is you're
2: a, flat out saying it, not implying it. Not only that, but Mike Gundy. Leach
3: was not the only person that said that. He just is a great person. I'm
0: just going to give Mike Leach a quote because it's fun to talk about Mike Leach. Fair. No, Get no. no I, I'm I'm fully
3: 100% behind that.
0: Pet, pet your cat, hey. Andy. Uh Gundy went after reporter at pistol firing after the bowl loss last year when he asked about making offensive coaching changes. And Gundy dug in and kept the staff the same. It's a staff that has now averaged 16 points per game over the last nine games. And you can point to injuries all you want. The only injury I think that matters in relation to this is Spencer Sanders, who's the only good quarterback they've had on the roster in a long time. And right now, I'm fully expecting Gunnar Gundy to be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma State moving forward because Alan Bowman has been. But just I don't I don't I don't I don't necessarily blame him. The guy had started football game in like three years um it's not good in Stillwater at all that is the worst loss of the Gundy era in relation to yes they've had you could argue worst losses they lost at Troy in like his second season um you got blown out at Kansas State last year after starting five and one Um, they've had bad losses this is not the kind of they had the fluky fail married to central Michigan in twenty sixteen. You got pantsed at home by South Alabama. That is not the kind of loss you're supposed to have at this point if you are still a good program. So this is gonna be a long season it's gonna be a long i long mean
3: season. at at this point though it I makes remember, me wonder if glad, Eddie. like you know we've talked off and on, but I think. I think even talking all the way back, you know, it was several years ago where we had the question about whether uh, Gary Patterson or Mike Gundy would, you know, le- uh, leave their school first. Um, I mean, Mike Gundy has been, there's been rumors swirling about whether it's time to have Mike Gundy leave the program, whether it's, you know, his own decision or someone else's decision. I don't know how this start of the year does anything to quiet any of that. Like at what point is the, for big enough that there's real legitimate discussions about gundy being on the hot seat
0: Barker you want to say something
1: I'm more inclined to believe that he is in Dabo territory than he is in Patterson territory but it is important to realize much like many of us uh the older we get the more likely it is we die every year and uh longer tenures do do believe that uh the, the end does come faster the longer your tenure uh, tenure is. So um i I think that we're uh, there there is kind of a great reckoning. There are going to be some holdouts um here in terms of who can play ball in the new kind of world, but I think that gundy has the cachet to kind of be afforded the chance to at least flounder in the new big twelve if he if he has to. but yeah, it's not uh it's not great.
0: Uh, one of my favorite movie lines of all time, you either die a hero or see or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think we've passed the hero stage for Mike Gundy. All right, Jamie, we have to talk about it. We just do. Iowa State 7, Ohio 10. And what? Um, I believe it was football. I believe it was football.
2: Not familiar. Yes,
0: understood. Understandable.
2: Understandable.
3: By the way, I love how my, my cat coming on camera... Has Jamie the most engaged in this podcast episode she's been so. Uh,
0: Ten Twelve Network podcast Cat Talk coming out soon. It has nothing to do with West Virginia or Houston or BYU <laughs> or, it's just or Kansas State, State I mean, talking
1: about cats. I wish this was a I wish this is a video podcast so the world could see Andy's villain energy right now, like sitting here talking <laughs> and so just his cat. Just
2: uh, for the record, uh Iowa State did in fact. This would have been a way better bit. Iowa State volleyball literally beat Ohio on Friday. Missed opportunity. I'm not. In, I'm not in midseason form. It's obvious. Me and everybody else in this.
0: Iowa State field goal with 7:23 left in the game was called no good. Iowa State fans vehemently disagree. That's fine, we'll probably talk about that on the special teams the big twelve special teams show later this week on our youtube channel.
1: um It was good, and that makes it funnier. Here's the question I have with <laughs> Iowa State: Is this team really a hunter deckers away from being competent, even? It it has very, very,
2: very little, if anything, to do with the people that got popped for gambling. And that's just, I mean, anyone who's arguing that, I haven't really seen any Iowa State fans arguing that that's the case. It's mostly been people outside of it that are saying that because it's just an assumption they're making. Anyone that follows the team says that, it, it would have very little negative impact and given the way that deckers played at points last year beck might be a step it, up it
3: literally the only thing yeah, it did I, was yeah. reduce the number of bodies they have i don't think it changed talent levels
1: Yep, yeah, and i think that's a it's a good litmus test kind of question for like the state of this roster and saying like got lucky with a couple dudes didn't develop those dudes to their potential looking at Brees Hall and Brock Purdy in the, in the league, honestly, right there. And like last year was asking Jalen Noel to do so many things that Jalen Noel just could not do. Um, I think he has a very good, you know, role and, and they, they didn't have the guys to feature him in that role. They had asked him to do stuff he couldn't do. And yeah, I think, I think that this was like you, even with Iowa state's roster, you should just be able to line up and win this game. You, you should just, you should just know hey we've got this one thing we know we're good at it fine we'll just do it we'll get out of here and they couldn't even go to the back and 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 get it there so yeah just very very rough in all reality they probably deserved to win it in overtime the field goal was good but college is funny so uh. i will
3: also say the fact that they looked so much better in the fourth quarter when they went to the hurry up finally like that is a huge indictment on offensive coaching staff like because well it- it wasn't just a hurry up. It's, oh, I'm sorry. When they went with tempo at they all also, in general. Well,
0: it's not even, no, it's not just tempo. They actually, they actually spaced the field out. They actually spread, like, if you really watch, like for three quarters, they basically, like you could predict what they were going to do. They play in a small pocket of the field as opposed to actually utilizing the full field. So defenses can just key in on one certain small area to defend and it makes them easy. And the offensive line cannot run block effectively. Like they can't. And so once they actually spaced things out and and let the like and played football like you're supposed to in the modern era, like they moved the ball pretty well and they trusted their quarterback and they, they got a touchdown drive. And so it's just like, if you're going to play ugly football, low scoring football, and you can't find yourself a guy who can make field goals because he did have another miss in the game and you can say, well, that should have been a make and it should have been fine. But like, like you 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 need a field goal kicker. If you're gonna play ugly football and you can't make a high percentage of your field goals, like this is what you get. And Iowa State special teams, like yeah, they they seem like they're better this year, but they've been terrible under Matt Campbell the entire time. And plays into the whole like we put the stat on Twitter. He's now six and twenty one in any game in all games at Iowa State in which the betting line before the game is minus four plus four. And his one score game record continues to be. God-awful atrocious. I don't even... I, I'd have to go scan, scroll through my phone to find it. It's not good. It's real bad. Outside of 2020. And so, like, it... At some point, you're going to have to figure something out. Like, you're going to have to make a change you don't want to make. And... Or... I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I hate it for Iowa State fans. Because, like, it... It hates... It sucks to feel like you've finally gotten there. And then just to have the wool, like rug pulled out from underneath you. So, totally It
3: just... It feels so... I guess disappointing the fact that for all of the disappointing teams we're talking about in the big 12 so far, it seems to be mostly coaching related coaches, not, you know, either sticking with people that they shouldn't have been for the longer than they should have, um, you know, or just not putting their players in a good position to be able to be successful or losing the sideline, losing the locker room. Like it's just, it, it seems to be that there's coaching issues along too many teams in the big 12 right now that is causing a lot of problems.
1: I think and most of the talent issues are coaching yeah. related. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, Jamie, you've you've teased volleyball a few times. You want to want a little Big Twelve volleyball update before we uh, talk about week two or week four?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, hey, it was a really fun week for volleyball. I called my first volleyball game on ESPN2 this, or on ESPN, oh, that would have been big time, ESPN Plus this weekend. Uh, that was that was a blast. Uh, Iowa State took down Drake in straight sets, uh, had a little bit of a setback against UCSB, but frankly, with a team as young as Iowa State is uh, at a lot of positions, uh Tell me if you've heard that one before. Um, you you kind of anticipate having one of those ones that you probably should win and you drop it. Uh, they had a comeback win against Iowa earlier in the season. They dropped this one against UCSB, but I think they learned from it because they dominated a very good Drake team. Uh, we're heading into conference play this week, and there's a lot of teams that I think are going to be kind of clumped together. Uh, I talked about this a little bit maybe last week, week before, and. Just said that um, it it looks like potentially the most competitive volleyball season we will we have had in, in quite a while. Um, Texas is not the Texas of old. Uh, They're still very, very good, but they are not world beaters. Um, They're not unbeatable like they have looked at times, uh, unless you're Iowa State, who was the only one to take them down last year. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, it, it's going to be a really fun season. Uh Big big performance this past week. TCU uh, picked with Iowa State, kind of in the middle of the pack. But with how good the Big Twelve is this year, those are going to be really pretty good teams nationally speaking. Um, but they had—I I still honestly can't even believe it—in back-to-back sets, they had one of their hitters. Um, let me let, let me find her first name. Melanie Para broke her career high with 27 kills, and then one-upped it in the next match that they played to get 34 kills in a four-set match, which is, like, it's absurd. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. So uh, really, really impressed by that. Obviously, I would imagine that she would be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week for Volleyball. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be really fun now that we finally get to see the Big 12 start competing against each other. Because if anything, this non-conference slate has established that there is a lot of parity in the Big 12 for volleyball this year. So it'll be super, super fun. I will be watching a lot of it.
3: Another Big 12 sport that has a ton of parity right now is soccer. Um, BYU and TCU drawing. Kansas Oklahoma drawing like there's a lot of really good soccer teams as well uh, that are really super exciting to watch so I am I'm just as look I'm looking just as much forward to the European style football as I am the North American style football in the conference this year
0: it's a lot to lot to pay attention to a lot to watch a lot of stuff going on in the big 12 uh Parker had to bounce you know we're, we're a little late here uh getting the show wrapped up that's okay we're going to wrap this show up now the way we do every week. We look to the weekend ahead. Each of us will pick the game that we are most interested in this coming weekend. We cannot pick our own team. I will read you the lineup in chronological order. We open the day on Saturday. No Thursday or Friday games. On Saturday, big new kickoff on Fox, Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Uh, SMU at TCU on FS1 at 11. 2.30 uh, we get... BYU at Kansas on ESPN. At 2.30, we also get Texas Tech at West Virginia on ESPN+. 3 o'clock, Oklahoma State at Iowa State on FS1. Houston hosting Sam Houston at 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Texas at Baylor, ABC, 6.30 p.m. And at 7 o'clock on FS1, UCF at Kansas State. Andy, what's your game of the week?
3: First of all, I do want to say that it's kind of strange to have Kansas being on ESPN. On, at 2.30 in the middle of the afternoon. Like, that's just a little weird for me. But in terms of the game I'm actually looking forward to, it's a it's a tough one for me, right? Because we're either looking at a an undefeated UCF against a Kansas State team that's looking to bounce back at the end of the day, or I think an intriguing matchup that's going to tell us more about the middle of the conference in Texas Tech at West Virginia. I think just because of the fact that it's UCF's first Big 12 conference game, I'm going to go with UCF Kansas state um, because I can't go with Kansas BYU. But I I like, I I think that those are the ones that are the more interesting ones to me of the, the teams that are coming new to the conference that have tough tests, but have a good opportunity to actually win those tests.
2: Yeah, I was, I was kind of between UCF K state and uh, in the interest of giving a different answer I'll go with Kansas BYU uh just because I think that it has a lot of potential to kind of let us know where thing where where people are shaking out in the Big 12 you know as parker was talking about he he had them as very similar um in kind of the way he's looking at them right now and I think that that's really not a bad way to be viewing them but if one of them is going to really separate themselves from from the rest of the pack from where they're being perceived right now uh this would be kind of the time where you would see that start to show itself so uh definitely could learn a lot from it
0: i think you do have named the best games or the most interesting games um between ucf kansas state and byu at kansas <clears throat> i'm gonna pick oklahoma at cincinnati this is cincinnati's first big 12 game they've been waiting for this forever they're getting to host Oklahoma. The crowd should be incredible. Um, and and Andy, to your note, like this should be Oklahoma's virtual test. Cincinnati coming off of a rivalry loss. Can they bounce back? Is Oklahoma really as good as they've looked in their 3-0 start? Their 14-point favorite, are they going to cover another double-digit spread? Like
3: it's also kind of delicious am, the fact that Oklahoma has to go on the road to Cincinnati for a 11 a.m. kickoff that Oklahoma fans complain so much about.
0: Yes, no, that's why they're leaving. Actually, the real reason they leave the 12 is 11 a.m. kickoffs on on Fox. They hate that. Um, I'm I'm very interested in that game. I will play catch up on it since I coach U4 U5 girls soccer at 11:30 in the morning. So that's fine. Still appreciate that schedule there, Matt. Um, I do have to note something that we might start doing this season, which is the Big Twelve sicko game of the week. <laughs> Oklahoma State at Iowa State. It's gonna
2: be some of them, huh? <laughs> Oklahoma
0: State at Iowa State. The line is currently Iowa State minus two and a half. The total opened at thirty five and a half. I think it's actually been bet up a point. I don't know who's putting their money on the over thirty five and a half in Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Like,
3: yeah, it's at thirty six and a half right now. Iowa,
0: <laughs> Iowa State-Iowa is called El Asico. Uh, I have petitioned that Iowa State-Oklahoma State this year be called El Trashico because this one could just get ugly, just awful football. Um, I I feel like there's something
3: uh, state penitentiary related that we could work into a name for this.
0: Tr- Trashico works. It, it, yeah, cool. I guess that would cool. work. It's, but it's not a it's not a major rewrite of the original name. Yeah, I, I'm just going to give you a, a sneak peek for Thursday's pick show. I'm taking the under in this game. I don't I don't care what the line go move. I don't. I'm taking the under. It's it, it's that kind of stuff. So, this feels um, like it could um, be Logan a game where for... the total
3: points could be under ten. Like I'm just saying, that's how bad it seems like it could be.
0: Six three, like well, no, because that would require if I Iowa State win three to two. Three to two Give me good.
3: a three to two game. <laughs> no, um I, I do wonder though so it's, if, it's if we six, say sicko's six, three, game of the week.
0: It's six three in overtime. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> no,
3: no, double overtime. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, but no, no. I mean, I I do wonder if we start doing this sicko's game of the week, right? Like, um how many of those are over under two games that don't involve either Oklahoma state or Iowa state?
0: I don't, I don't see that happening. Like I, th- I thought you were going to set the over under on Iowa state games and I was going to take the over. Cause I promise you the week that Iowa state and Baylor meet, <laughs> that's, that's the sicko game of the week. So, uh, but it's so what you're saying is that state.
3: every single one of those games is going to have either I- Iowa state or Oklahoma state in it or, or, or Baylor or Houston. Right.
2: It's about, it's about who who's gonna run it up on them.
0: No, no, no. I, w- I want two bad teams that probably like this one works because ni- neither team might score. Like we we.
2: That's what I'm saying. It's like finding who's in a game where they ain't gonna get it run up on. Oh yeah,
0: there it is. Yeah, yeah. Lowest score the uh, the lowest point total in a Big Twelve game ever. I'll well, note this. I had to do this research. Is twelve points total. It was three times. Team has won twelve to nothing. That's the lowest points scored in a Big Twelve conference game since the conference was founded in nineteen ninety six. Will Oklahoma State, Iowa We're State, make
2: new? Yes. This season, we may have a single digit total. <laughs> and honestly,
3: I think the worst part is that there's more than one possibility. Oh.
2: That's the thing is it's it's not one game I'm saying, but this season. I think there's a good shot we get a single digit. Total.
0: There, there's our there's our ten twelve Twitter poll of the week is does do as a new record record low hit this season. Oh, oh boy, that's a that's a note to end on. Uh, we appreciate Parker uh, hopping on the show with us. He's of course stats of war on Twitter. Uh, he does look the man does a ton. He is on so many different shows, and I watch a bunch of them because I, I think Parker does incredible work. I understand some people who don't like him. That's fine. You do you. Uh, Also joining us as usual, Andy Mitts, at Andy AndyMitts12. That's M-I-T-T-S. Yes, Kansas State fans, we know you don't like him. He, of course, is the host of the Rock Chalk Podcast. It's available everywhere podcasts can be found, as well as at 1012network.com, T-E-N, the number 12. The word network, J-S-J, is at J-S-T-E-Y-Z on the Twitter machine. We are at 1012network on Twitter. At 1012 Network on Blue Sky, at 1012 Pod on Threads and Instagram, and 1012 Podcast on YouTube. Yes, we'll have an interview on Tuesday. I don't know what it is yet. Yes, we will have a special team show on Wednesday. I don't know who the guest is yet. We'll be talking about the Iowa State Miss Make, Miss Mace Make, Make, Miss, and probably the Missouri one. That feels like a good starting point for the show and whatever else happens. So, and of course, PixPod on Thursday. Make sure and leave us five stars in review. We would appreciate it. Shop, Charlie, Hustle, Checkout, Sport, Social. We'll talk to you all again on this thread on Thursday.
2: Podcast Network.